0: KXNO Ken Miller Trent Condon They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO All right good morning everybody and welcome to a Friday on Miller and Condon Trent Condon Ken Miller with you for the Next couple of hours as we talk sports with you on a busy football Friday. A lot of ground to cover on the BMW of Des Moines guest list coming up on the program uh, here today. Uh, Friday, always packed on Friday. This one being absolutely no different. First up is going to be Tom Cakert, HawkeyeReport.com. Hawks at 23, 23 and a half point favorite over Conference USA's Middle Tennessee State. Uh, Tom Cakert will preview that and we'll talk some Hawks with Tom at, eight, at uh, 1025. Dylan Mons from the Ames Tribune uh, slides on in here at 1045 in the 11 o'clock hour. We are going to talk Chiefs. We are going to talk Vikings and Bears. Uh, Bama Bob will be with us. Trent Bama and I will go around some of the marquee games in college football. We'll give you, the audience, an opportunity to win some barbecue from Claxon's about 11.45. And then for what they were worth, and certainly last week they weren't with a dime, uh, our picks coming up at 11.50. But for the first time this year, I believe you get the T box, right? I do. Bad, bad, yes. bad, bad. Uh, let's do this before we get on to sports. And this isn't a victory lap by any means. Take no joy out of this. But the, the Register, um, because it was such a talker, and we talked about it on our show, and that's why I want to bring it up here uh, today, uh, Aaron Calvin is not the scapegoat in this. He um, he should have never been hired in the first place if the Register would have done their job. And that's the bottom line. I mean, it's embarrassing, their HR department, uh, how they let that slide through. But uh, for the tweets that – and, and then here's the other thing. This, he's not a young kid. He's not a young kid. Let's Let's take that right off the table. Um, these first tweets are when he's 22, 23, 24 years old. I think he's about twenty nine or thirty right now. Yeah, the you know blank the NYPD cops or whatever it was blank the if that was just a standalone, yeah, okay, not the, it's not a line the from a rap look. song, right? Okay, not the best look, but um, it's more than that. It's a body of work as a journalist, and that's what he is. He can't have that. He had to he had to lose his gig and that's why I was willing to say so as soon as the story broke for the most part. As soon as we had our first chance mm-hmm. on Wednesday to discuss it and said the same yesterday. I, I didn't want I don't want a pound of flesh. It was the right thing to do. It was the right thing to do. The register, again, that's how this got by them in the first place is just an egregious, embarrassing human resources blunder and it was a blunder. And I've, I mean, Trent, I've seen some. Well, you know, is it really his fault that they hired him in the first place? Should he lose his job because they didn't find these out? Of course, he should. Yeah. I mean, if you own if you own a convenience store in your name, you own Condon Condon Convenience, and for some reason the, the the cashier you hired, you didn't look into his background, and when you did, you found out, you know, months later that he. He, he uh, when he was working the till, he dipped into the till, Casey's in come and go. You're going to lose. He's going to lo- lose his gig. Sure, yes. I mean, he's a pharmaceutical salesman, and he's got a problem with with drugs. You know, and somehow his drug test got mixed up and missed, and then you find out about it. What are you going to do? Of course, he's going to lo- he or she are going to lose their gig. It's a it was an HR blunder to begin with in the first place. The kid had to lose his gig. He's a journalist. You can't say those things those racist tweets you just can't do it and again he's not 14 15 16 he's 23 24 25 26 27 and he's had a couple of opportunities he's graduated from college he's a journalist that was i said my piece
1: people are held to a higher standard a different standard depending on your chosen profession right and with that these kind of things happen and as a journalist these types of things how they were not found you know, they said there's some kind of vetting process they yeah. they look through piss poor. Social media? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You just push it through. The guy obviously had to be pretty talented at this point right. in life and you, you look at some of the places that he has worked for. And the other the other thing is too is he had to be he had to have known that, you know, whew
0: Yeah. You know, but when he when he was hired and the fact that somehow they didn't look back and find those just a terrible and the reason it took as long as it did was we speculated on Monday. Corporate gets involved. Mm-hmm. Corporate lawyers get involved. This is going to corporate. This is a national story that took place in our backyard that blew up and went national. He didn't lose his job because he was told to go back and find and report those tweets or however they came to be. He didn't lose his job because of that. He lost his job for the stuff that he said as a, a grown Man, as an adult in your
1: 20s. Good news is that we will get to see Carson King out on the field tomorrow. It's great
0: story, Trent. You yep. know what? If anything, this has even elevated, I believe, him in people's eyes. Yes. If he was an 8 out of 10, you know, as far as we saw him before, and that's pretty high because yeah. no one has a consensus opinion. He's even elevated. I don't know what he's going to do in his life, you know, sadly. Mm-hmm. The law enforcement community is going to lose, I think, a pretty good prospect because that's what he wanted to do. Oh, really? You can't, I don't think he can do that now. There's so much more out there for him to do. Yeah, absolutely. He wanted follow, his dad was a uh, an Altoona, and, and maybe still is, an Altoona police officer. He wanted to follow his dad. I get that. I did. Uh, I wanted to. Um, but there's so much more for him. He can do so much more, I think. And I don't mm-hmm. know what it's going to be, and I look forward to you know watching – uh Carson King, where his next steps may be, because he's taken the right steps, Trent. He has yes. not missed a single beat. He's handled this better than I can ever recall anybody handling it. Because when somebody gets caught doing something, mm-hmm. the apology is never accepted.
1: No. Well speaking of apologies, the Des Moines Register's second apology was never apology. From from last night. From mean? last night. Yeah. You know, here's what he was the, it was excuses again. Right. It was they, they tried to explain their way out of it. Um I don't like that. Dude, I just don't. I, I, When you make a mistake, own up to it. That's mm-hmm. what Carson King did. And what, Lincoln, was, what was their mistake? Going, Making that part of the story to begin with? Pace, passing blame. Not taking it head on. And really, they never apologized. They just apologized. We screwed this up. Make it very simple. We screwed this up. Don't blame the reporter. Don't blame the editorial staff. Don't blame society as a whole. None of that. The Des Moines Register screwed this up. We took a great story and we we made it worse mm-hmm. than it needed to be. We screwed this up and we apologize. One one little one little pushback, and I, I don't disagree with your premise. I wonder,
0: and and we can't find out any clarity on this. Did Bush Beer know this? Did, did Anheuser Busch know this before anybody else? Were did they Anheuser the one? did An was Anheuser Busch going to sever ties with Carson King? And, or did they find out, I, I doubt they found it at the exact same time, but did the register find out or did Carson King find out that the Anheuser-Busch was about to sever ties? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I cannot find a timeline on that. And if, if, if Anheuser-Busch knew before they didn't learn from the register and we're going to cut, go forward that night with it, then I could see why the register would go forward, at least put it out there, um, but I So I don't know the answer.
1: Because the Register said, said in that statement last night that they were not the ones that notified Anheuser-Busch Correct. about the tweets. And, and Carson King and was notified. And a lot of notified, people are struggling to, to believe that. That's true. I get it. Because um, the timeline, it's difficult to wrap your mind mm-hmm. around. Maybe it's as simple as that. It, that Anheuser-Busch themselves did exactly what the reporter for the Register did and combed through his old hey, social media yeah. and found it themselves. This is a billion- Corporation. Right? No, I get you. This is How huge. about
0: Waterloo? So I was driving home from work yesterday and got a got a call that uh, that Waterloo Oktoberfest had just dropped bush beer from there. Oh, really? Yeah, I guess Oktoberfest is this weekend. There's some big celebration mm-hmm. or next. I don't know when it is, but. The ones uh, happening
1: downtown here? Well, I don't know if they're serving bush beer. I mean, an Oktoberfest serving bush to begin with? Well, you know, not, you don't have to have a German beer. Don't you? Just have a beer. I guess.
0: Um, but if you got a choice, when <laughs> I'm not just killing Bush, I mean I might even give up Stella if I got a chance in Oktoberfest to have a German beer. At Oktoberfest, right? Um, but I don't know the. The timeline. I mean, Carson King apparently was contacted by Anheuser Busch in the middle of the afternoon mm-hmm. or late morning. I don't know, but he was the one that then decided to get. Hey, again, he handled all the way. He handled it terrific. I have no problem uh, with the, certainly the way. I mean, how can you have a problem with what he did? Uh, he was fantastic uh, in all of this. But again, I, I get this is not a victory lap. I have no joy. In um, in what the register did and the fact that they they had to do it. He's a journalist. They had to do what they did. And it was very clear. It was very clear. Doesn't absolve the you know the way the rest of it was handled by any means, but uh, we've set our piece. Um, and the only reason I brought it up today is because we talked about it, and we like to focus on sports in these two hours. And this is uh, not a judgment on any how anybody else does talk radio here or anybody or anywhere else. Uh, but we like to focus on sports when we can because the, the, we kind of see this as a uh, a getaway, an escape. You know, from the from the real world. We get to talk sports, and we're very lucky to do so. We'll talk Hawkeyes coming up here at 1025. We'll talk Cyclones at 1045. Trent, the NFL game last night. I want to save a couple minutes for baseball because we won't yep. have time. No. Uh, the NFL game last night, you know, that was an entertaining game. Mm-hmm. I thought there was a couple of violent hits in the game. I mean, violent hits. Uh, the punt return, The helmet-to-helmet on the—I think it was the first punt of the game— um, and how Shepherd? I think his name is Shepherd, the kid that uh, that caught the punt. How the how the officials missed that is is beyond me. And the fact that they can't go back like they can in college and actually get it right when they miss it, that's not because the flag wasn't called in the first place. The NFL they can do pass interference, which is you know how the, a lot of the story. Uh, but the game overall, Trent, I was entertained. I, don't I was know about too. you.
1: Yes, it, it was an excellent game. And after the Packers jumped out ten nothing, you thinking eh. to yourself this? Uh, here we go. Right here we go. But Philadelphia's ability to run the football—that's what if you're if you're a fan
0: of the Bears mm-hmm. or the Vikings mm-hmm. or the Lions—and you think of this Packer defense, boy, they got a defense this year. Well, their run defense leaves a lot to be desired.
1: And this was a Philly team that hadn't been running the football very well coming in, but and an ex-Bear of all things. Yes, right? <laughs> you saw it was a concerted effort from the get-go. They were going to run the football. This was something they were going to rely on. They were going to flex their muscle there, and it's something that Philadelphia. What is it, Doug Peterson? I think hasn't had a hundred yard rusher in something like it's a huge yes, amount of games. Yes, crazy. Yeah. They were talking about yeah. that last night. So because of that, thought, well, you can see this was going to be the plan going in. There is a way to get after this Packers defense just a little bit, and it's running the football. And I mean, this goes all the way back to the opening Thursday of the year with Green Bay and mm. Chicago and that awful game plan by Nagy and company. Where they didn't throw the football and they had the twenty-two straight didn't run the backs, football or didn't run the football. Yeah. yeah, it was all it was all Trubisky and twenty-two straight dropbacks yeah. and a seven-three game during that whole run. Just a terrible game planning there. Now you see it. Now the blueprint is out. Of course, the Packers will come back and adjust themselves, but certainly not only the loss, but the way that it played out gives hope now. I think to the Vikings, to the Lions, to the Bears going forward. And that Vikings Bears game this weekend gets mm. even bigger. And how about next week, the Packers at Cowboys? Yes, should be. No, you're right. About, good run.
0: Let's not let's not wish away this weekend. And the <laughs> here's the bad thing though. And I'm having trouble keeping up. I am having trouble keeping up. So Dish TV's losing is lost A, B, and C now. As of tonight at midnight, Direct is going to lose A, B, and I don't know. Man, there's so much, and then if we throw in. Um, uh, Six sixty five, uh, NBC Sports Chicago. Mm-hmm. They leave, I think, both platforms on Monday of next week. So, watching the game last night, and I'm sure you saw it crawl at the bottom of the program, uh, at the bottom of the screen. We already know the Dish has lost Big Fox, FS1, and BTN. It's a blow. It's a huge blow for football. And apparently, Fox went to Dish Network and said, "You know what? Let's we'll keep these up while we negotiate." And according to John O'Rand, who we both like, mm-hmm. what's his uh, sports business? Yep, sports business journal. Do you know his? Do you know his t- Twitter? Is it at A- O'Rand SBJ? At SBJ. Anyway, John O'Rand, he put he he uncovered the fact that Fox said to Dish, "Let's not put our customers in the middle," mm-hmm. which we are. Let's keep these on while we effort to come to an agreement. And Dish said, no, they're gone. And now they're gone. So if you're a Dish uh, subscriber, you're probably already aware. But you're going to lose a lot of football programming this weekend. Now, to DirecTV. I'm pretty sure, again, I wish there was a place I could go to have it all in one place. (laughs) I think tonight at midnight, we DirecTV subscribers are about to bid adieu to KDSM. So we won't get Vikings and Bears on Sunday. Oh. A week from Saturday, we will not get the Hawkeyes and the Wolverines if it lingers for a week. So prepare yourselves. It's not like you can cut the cord and go to Dish because Dish is it, they've got their own fight going on. I don't understand it.
1: All right. Let's fast forward here to Saturday. and Next it's still, Saturday? And it's still not resolved. Mm-hmm. Now, you've already talked about your concerns with you don't like when Iowa State and Iowa are playing at the same time mm-hmm. because you want to watch the whole thing. And this isn't resolved, and you're not going to be able to watch the Iowa game. Well, I can downstairs because I, I have an antenna set up. You have the antenna right. set up. So I would guess you would watch that live there and then go back in DVR and watch. And then
0: in the living room of the basement or whatever you want to call it. Because I was
1: going to try to see. Maybe no, you no, can... I'm not going anywhere. You could go to a sports bar. You know they have multiple TVs. You can watch everything there. You know, I, I can't trust myself. This
0: is a big part. I can't. I, a I can't have one. Okay. I can't. And they're Ubers. Yeah, I know. I know. They'll get you home. That's true.
1: That's true. I'd and be your thank D.D. God for Uber.
0: Anyways, I don't want to make this about me. Uh,
1: <laughs> but it is about us. It's about us consumers. It and about, is.
0: Yes. And again, we're caught in the
1: middle, Dan. Yes. It. Uh, I'm going to uh, Sioux City this weekend. When I get home, I just want to get home, be able to watch the NFL and it's not going to be there. No, it's not. Not Vi- going to Vikings be there to go through this. And we went Unless, through this with Game Day and ESPN. Yes,
0: we did. And it kept and Ray Cole who was terrific. Mm-hmm. Uh Ray Cole, I don't remember his Twitter handle, but he was uh, Ray Cole. I'm sure you've seen him on Twitter. Uh, all the guys in the in the building here um follow follow him and and respect what he does and and know what he does. He's the former um the former president, president, of, president ABC? of ABC. Five? and was he's, He was John Walter's boss. He was Zuba Mahente's mm-hmm. boss. He was Dave Zawalinski's boss. Keith Murphy's boss back in the he day. He was Keith Murphy's boss back in the day. That's a good point. He was Keith Murphy's boss back in the day. Uh, anyways, let's do this real quick on baseball. Uh, the, the, there's really only two... If you want to call the wild card race in the in the American League, mm-hmm. and I guess you have to. Yes, Cleveland is still alive, but they lost again last night to the didn't. White Sox. Now, if Tampa wins a game this weekend, or if Cleveland loses a game this weekend, Tampa is your second wild card
1: team. Cleveland has Washington this weekend. Good luck. Yes, good luck. Meanwhile, in the National League Central, Tampa has the Blue Jays. Do they?
0: Yeah, yeah I don't see the. I won't see any. Um, so they should be fine. Yes. Is it in Blue Jayville or is it in Tampa? It's in Toronto. Yep. Okay. Um, what was he saying? The, oh yeah, the Cardinals. Race. Yes. So in the in the NL- in the NLC Central. I mean, this is going to be really good potentially, but here's the thing. Last night, I don't know if you saw this or not. Joe Madden came out prior to the game last night. He's not playing his guys in St. Louis, and his quote wasn't. I'm paraphrasing. There's a lot of things I don't give a bleep about, and this is one of them. Oh, wow. He is not playing Rizzo or Bryant or Baez or John Lester's not pitching. Mm -hmm. At least that was the plan. He's going to play. Did you see his lineup last night? Heather had a great tweet last night. Basically, she, her tweet somewhere along the lines of, I feel like I've seen this lineup all summer long at Principal <laughs> Park, with the exception of Jose Quintana. And she was right on the money. That's
1: exactly what he trotted out last night. Jose Quintana finished his uh, season. Yeah, thank God. The second worst of qualified pitchers ERA in the National League. Did he really? And they gave up two studs yes. to get him. Studs.
0: Uh, didn't work out. No. So... <laughs> Madden doesn't give a damn that the Brewers are one game One behind, game back. And he's going to play, you know, he's going to play whoever he feels like playing. And if, if one of the veterans wants to play, I'm sure they'll come to him and say, look, I just skip, I want to play. This will be it. But he, who knows? So it's going to be fun.
1: Cubs, Might get, to get a 163, game 163 you know, there. we're not
0: going to trend. I hope you're right. I hope like I, I, that somehow this happens. Nico Horner with a big game. Yeah, I mean, he's had, he's had a really good month, has he not? He burst onto MediaCom is the way to go. I agree with you, but i got to have the Sunday ticket, and I have to. That's a tweet that came in. Uh, Jay Farver, our Cardinals fan, by the way. Yes. Uh, um, and there's a number of them out there, uh, but he's the most vocal of them, the one that we know of. And he's right, but I, I have to have the NHL center ice package. I will not miss my Winnipeg Jets. No? I missed them for 15 years. <laughs> As they weren't a team. As there was the, they were gone. I will never miss another game if I if, if I can help it. Anyways, I want uh, you won't want to miss. Well, at least we hope. Okay, that's maybe a little over the top. Tom Caker's very good. That might be a little bit too uh, grandiose. But Caker joins us. Dylan Montz will join us. Baylor-Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Just real quick. Do you have an opinion? Are you using it in your pick? You usually don't. I'm, Are
1: you? I won't use it in my picks, but it is a game I'm going to be playing this weekend. I like Iowa State. Do you? I, I think they win mm-hmm. this game... Not handily, but they win it by seven. I do too. They, seven I to think ten. They have more talent. I think they um, have their, more talent. Their defense is really good. How about Brewer last week getting ejected? I'd miss that. No, I, see, I didn't know that. Yeah, I read a story. I heard. I was listening to. Uh, was a the podcast. game out of hand? Well, it was. It was. A, it was an awful game. And I apparently, can't he being was arguing with an official and got ejected from the game. Not. Not that he, you know, grabbed a opponent's face mask and mm-hmm. no, he got ejected for arguing. Have you ever seen that in football? No. I'm trying to think. No, I mean I know you. Get Orlando Brown after he route. pushed the official after he got hit. Well, in yeah, the eye. you got to go there.
0: Yeah, that was. Uh, did he not sue and win? I think he sued yes. and won.
1: Yes, I think you're absolutely correct.
0: Was he a Baltimore Raven at the
1: time, yeah. or a Brown? That doesn't matter it's a story. Yeah, I think I misheard. Now that I'm looking at it, I must. They were talking about him being part of the group thrown out last year. Okay, yeah, that, and, right. That makes more sense. So and he, he didn't get tossed last year, but he was right in the middle right. of it last he, yes, year. Yes, yes, and, and there were some up? some people that speculated maybe he'd have to sit out the following week. Matt Rule would sit him down, something like that. That's what it was. So I misheard. Apologies. He's got to keep those ears open, right? Yeah, well, I I hadn't seen it, not that uh, that mattered. Um, I mean, I miss stories all
0: the time. Anyways, Tom Cakert is next. Uh, Dylan Mons, we're going to play the hits in this hour. Hawkeyes and Clones in the 11 o'clock hour. We'll do uh, the Chiefs. They take on the Detroit Lions on the road. Uh, This is Patrick Mahomes' first game in a dome. What? This week, apparently so president. So Mahomes mm. uh, into a dome for the first time. There's not that many of them left when you come right down to it. Yeah. Uh, so we will uh, we'll talk Vikings. We will do Bears, uh, Vikings-Bears at about 11.05, 11.08, somewhere in there. Bam and Bob, Trent and I around college football, Claxon's Barbecue, our picks. We're here until noon. It's a Friday on Miller & Condon. Glad you're with us. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 Oh, Streaming live from coast to coast on iHeartRadio, this is 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO with you until noon. Alex Halstead ames Trib coming up in about oh, 15 minutes or thereabouts. We'll preview Baylor and Iowa State, uh, with Dylan. Right now, Tom Cakert, HawkeyeReport.com. It's the final non-con of the year for the Hawkeyes. They're back on the field after a bye week last week. Tom joins us. Tom Trenton Ken, thank you for coming on, Tom Cakert. How are
2: you? doing uh doing terrific on this rainy Friday after, uh, Friday uh, morning I guess it's still morning uh in uh, the beautiful quad city.
0: You know what? We don't have rain here in central Iowa so maybe it's moving our way. It's certainly overcast, but uh, anyways, Tom, you know, let's start with hoops and uh, um, I know there's a lot of excitement around this uh, DJ Gordon, a four-star guard who apparently's got Iowa as one of his uh final six and he paid an uh, our, an official visit um, boy, they certainly need a guard. That would be some good PR news if they can land this kid. Uh, what do you What do you think the chances are? DJ Gordon's a Hawkeye?
2: Well, it, it's interesting to me how it kind of evolved because they had not set up a visit with him and then Fran goes in. Well, the other development that happened was they had just kind of played things out with Andre Jackson, the four star uh, guard out of uh, Albany, New York. That Fran had a long history with, and he is, uh, according to Jeff Borzello from ESPN, he's not going to make his official dive this weekend. So then, quickly, Gordon's all of a sudden magically uh, coming to Iowa City for a visit. So, um, you know, it just, to me, that kind of tells me that, boy, there's some mutual interest there from the kid, too, that he would just kind of drop everything and head to Iowa City for the weekend.
1: Andre Jackson, he was kind of a long shot, a top uh, 75 player from New York, had a Syracuse offer. Now mm. UConn's involved. It, it's, it was always a long shot, even with that relationship here. What else? What else is left for this recruiting class in what feels like a very important one? Though if Bohannon doesn't play, of course, that scholarship will be taken for Bohannon the following season. Xavier Foster, still the wait list continues there. What else, if anything, though, are they waiting on?
2: Uh, they just offered a kid um yesterday, uh Josh Almagali, who goes to Worcester Academy, which ironically is where uh Ken O'Keefe and Kirk Ferentz first met <laughs> when uh Ken mm. was the head coach there and Kirk <laughs> Ference was the uh one of the assistant coaches and teaching I think English there or something. Wow. Uh <laughs> just uh kind of a fun uh fun little nugget uh to, to chew on, but in and the coach there yeah kirk ferentz was here before (laughs) i was like yeah i know that i know that so anyway uh um oh my a kid really interesting kid he's from england so iowa has history with kids from england with shaney and uh you know ken and i were the first yes uh, we were of 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 the bandwagon for gabe uh so yeah he's big kid uh saw him in a tournament they played in in manchester england in december of 16 he was 15 years old and big lefty who could shoot it and you know big body um and he really has gotten a lot of you know the mid-major rhode island kind of offers but he hadn't got the power five offer so sounds like he's going to visit the penn state weekend uh right now they've got to finalize that but he'd be a Uh, Another option for them, along with uh, Xavier Foster.
0: Built like an offensive lineman, Tom. He's a big body. You're right about a big body, dude.
2: Six, uh, yeah, six, nine-ish and, uh, you know, 265 is big body. He's got a real soft touch around the rim, Mm -hmm. left-hander. So, uh, you know, interesting prospect.
0: Volacek gets a hold of him. Doyle gets a hold of him. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Tom, let's look back before we go forward. Uh, Michigan-Wisconsin last week, of course, both on the hawk schedule. What did you learn?
2: Uh, last week, just watching. Yes. Just watching uh, football. I, I, I think I learned that Wisconsin is legit. Yeah. Uh, I think I learned that Michigan is a uh, soft team. Northwestern does not have an offense, and right. Michigan State is schizophrenic. I think those are still of <laughs> the things I learned.
1: It's a really good point. And, and this Big Ten as a whole, Ohio State, we'll see this weekend. They go on the road for Nebraska. Nebraska, we know, can score. The black shirts are that name only, more like brown shirts over there. But we'll see what they can do against Justin Fields and company. It's middle Tennessee this week, a bounce back. But it's so weird. By week, you're supposed to get healthy. feels like this team might be more injured than they were after the game against Iowa State?
2: Yeah, Kyla Schott's now going to be out for a little bit with a you know, leg thing. So, um, yeah, they've gotten a little bit, but they've got some depth on the offensive line, and, and they're certainly, I think, going to get Larrick Jackson back probably next week for the Michigan game. So I, I think they're, you know, going to be fine there, but the, the defensive backfields where they've got to get, uh, get healthy and healthy soon, and I, you know, there was a lot of buzz because Kayvon Merriweather had, um, mm-hmm. you know, put up this Instagram post that he was back, uh, but he's apparently not back. Hankins, <laughs> hamstring thing, still, you know, those things are tricky. And I, I just wonder if they're just being extra cautious with some of these guys just because they know they could trot out anybody and probably beat right. Middle Tennessee this week.
0: Right. So, if the shooter's out, does that mean maybe more of Britt? Do we do we get? I know they're very high on him. Will we see more of him, or who slides into that right guard slot?
2: Um, I would. uh That they're probably yeah they're going to put Banward in there. I, I would think first, and then they'll probably juggle things around. You might see you know Callenbergger uh, at left tackle again with uh, you know one of the Paulsons moving over to guard with Levi moving over to guard and. Tristan moving back over to the right side, and I think that'll be kind of the the two main combos that they work with on Saturday.
1: Scott Docterman from The Athletic had a piece talking about the possibility Iowa-Illinois next year playing at the White Sox Stadium. Something maybe would create a little bit more buzz, certainly more buzz. You were in Champaign-Urbana last year. Not a whole lot of people belly their way through the turnstiles.
2: A a good number of Iowa fans Mm -hmm. do, but uh, yeah, I think last weekend was probably the best Illinois crowd wow. I've seen in in a long, long time, and you know part of that was due to probably about twenty thousand Nebraska fans in the fans too, but they actually had more than a hundred students there because they let them in for free and they actually showed up uh, um yeah, it's just interesting quite, you know, it it's really hard to get, generate a lot of fan interest in Illinois now would playing at guaranteed rate field uh get people there? I don't know mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's an interesting idea. I just don't think anything's ever really going to come of
0: it. Yeah, Chicago. Maybe the Bears are playing. The, uh, if they get lucky, and the Bears are in town the the next week. I like it. It's something different. But you're right, Tom. It'll be difficult, I think, to get traction. You know, there's a Big Ten uh, West game. I want to get your uh, opine on, if you will, because um, I'm going to use it in my picks, um, <laughs> unless you talk me out of it. <laughs> Minnesota and
2: Purdue. You have any opinion on this game? I want to know if is playing. I guess he's I, I getting he's close. Con-
0: yeah,
2: yeah, He's cleared the concussion protocol, but Jeff Brohm the whole week, because I've been kind of eyeing that game as well, and um, he's just been really cagey about whether he's going to play or not. I think that's the difference in the game. The thing that's really kind of stunning is Purdue's uh, run game is just non-existent, and it's never been really good, but it's just non-existent, and uh, you know they've lost uh, uh, the, the middle linebacker's name escapes me right now. The mm-hmm.
0: leading really tackler, yeah,
2: yeah, and they've lost him, and their defense is just kind of not as good. I, I don't think uh, Neal is there either, so mm-hmm. they've just really kind of got gutted up the middle, and you wonder if. Uh, I, but I'm not in love with Minnesota either because I, I they could easily be zero and three as opposed to three and zero right now.
0: And that's kind of how I see it, Tom. But a lot of my Trent, well, you know, they lose those games last year. Tap the yep. brakes a little bit. They're finding a way to win. So I'm with you. Glass half empty on Minnesota, who I was my pick to win the West. And I'm going to look awful um, again. But, you know, may, maybe Trent's right. Maybe that this team is better because they're finding a way to win the games that normally would have gone in the loss column. Buying that, Tom?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, you can you could say that. You know, maybe they've got a little uh, Iowa 2015 magic where they yeah. just kind of win games that just, you know, inexplicably they figure out a way to win. This might be one of those years for the go.
1: Tom, blessing for you. This has been uh, certainly one of the more memorable bye weeks that uh, Iowa's gone through and what you've gone through. On the message board, you deal with... <laughs> A lot of different kind of people. A lot of people that get fired up at times. What's it been like for you this two weeks with what happened with the band, coupled with Carson King and that story in the Des Moines Register, and on and on and on. What's it been like over at Hawkeye Report?
2: Well, it's been a zoo. It's just been <laughs> crazy, and I'll be so glad when eleven a.m. tomorrow yeah. is here because then mm-hmm. we can all kind of. I think you know the, it's the combination of kind of hot button stories, but also there was nothing else to talk about you know it's just there was nothing to uh get excited about or or get frustrated with it was uh uh, related to football and so these two stories just took on a life of their own and um and then the volley back and forth between Pollard and Mm Barda and Harold and and the band and just all that stuff going on and then you know the the unfortunate Mm -hmm. stuff with Carson King I mean Mm -hmm. it's just it's just, it's taken over. It's taken on a life of its own. And, um, you know, I, I'm really happy that people are still kind of sticking with Carson Absolutely. and, and, uh, that he's ended up raising a, a ton of money for the Children's Hospital. And I hope Saturday, at the end of the first quarter, somehow they get him down on the field to wave to the kids with with the, the players. I think no that
0: would be question. really cool. I uh, couldn't agree with you more. Tom Kaker. Tom, uh, we will catch you, I'm guessing, en route to Ann Arbor next week. Uh, but we look forward to that game. Not that we're wishing, well, kind of are. Because <laughs> Michigan, I was going to be massive. Cannot wait. Tom, thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it, Tom Kaker. Okay, thanks, guys. Yep, good to talk to you. Tom Kickard, HawkeyeReport.com. We'll take a time out. We'll come back. Dylan Mons will opine on Baylor, Iowa State. Ames Trib is where you can read Dylan and Travis and everybody else at that fine newspaper. We are here until noon. It's Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Where will the fairest of them all be on September the 28th? At Children and Family of Iowa's Princess Party. Make your reservations now. Visit cfiowa.org backslash events for more information. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Thank you to Tom dot HawkeyeReport.com. Final segment here of the 10 o'clock hour coming up at 11. We're busy. We're going to talk Chiefs. We're going to talk Vikings, and Bears. Uh, we will talk to Bama Bob, Trent Bama, and I will go around college football, give away some barbecue, our picks, lots to jam in in the 11 o'clock hour. Let's take our time with Dylan Montz, Ames Tribune, amestrib.com. Uh, last year, this was a two-touchdown score, 28-14. Don't remember much about the score, but we'll never forget what happened during the football game. Alex Hallstead, uh, Dylan Montz joins the program. Dylan, Trent, and Ken, thank you for coming on. How are you, Dylan Montz?
3: Yeah, doing pretty well, guys. And uh, you're right; last year's game was uh, uh, rem- memorable for for more reasons than than just another win on the Cyclones' match.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. Brock Purdy was so efficient in that game, as he really was uh, throughout. Uh, well, throughout most of the last year, and, and so far this year, uh, he's really taken his game up. And you know, I, I got to applaud the coaching staff. They really were seemingly uh, keeping him under wraps against UNI, and they gambled and got away with it in uh, in the overtime sessions. But none aside that, let's go back to last year. This big Taylor team, I thought this was a closer game than maybe the 14 points that uh, uh, differential from last. Did you get the same feeling that this was closer than 28-14 when you left uh, uh, Jack Trice Stadium last year?
3: It, absolutely. It felt kind of like a slugfest, and not just because of the literal punches that were thrown. It felt like um, you know, teams were kind of playing tug-of-war with one another. Um, and it just, uh, there weren't a ton of big plays that were able to be generated. Uh, I mean, we've seen, even when Iowa State um, failed to score a, a ton of points against Northern Iowa and Iowa this, this year, um, you could still pick out a few big plays here or there last year. I don't remember any that were, were massive and it, it took a little bit to, to get, end up pulling away and, and give a couple touchdown lead. But, um, that's kind of what Baylor has done under Matt rule is, um, you know, they the days of the Art Bryles, high-powered offense, aren't, aren't quite the same. But um, they really added the defense, and especially this year, um, transition into a three-three-five, They look a little bit different. So um, it, it is hard to kind of get out and, and run on them just because of how physical they are.
1: Yeah, that physicality uh, component is something that – is that really what both these teams are trying to be, just be the most physical team in the Big 12?
3: Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, certainly from an Iowa State perspective – um, that's what Matt Campbell plays into. He plays into the, um, more low possession type of games, um, the field position game. Uh, I think he's talked about it too. There's sometimes when Iowa State is on the plus side of the field, he'd opt to punt rather than, um, you know, then, try to go for it on, on fourth and medium, maybe just so he can trust the defense and, and play that type of game. So, and then Baylor's, uh, similar too. Uh, like I mentioned, the 3 3 5, it seems like has helped them, um, so far this year, albeit, uh, against, uh, a few teams that are, um, you know, certainly not Power 5's caliber, but, um, yeah, I, I think they both kind of have adopted similar styles and, and that's what makes this game so interesting coming up.
0: Uh, Dylan Montaigne Tribune is our guest Dylan you wrote about him uh, Jaquan Bailey you know he seemingly had a quiet start to his senior season he's uh, really close to the sack record I, I loved his responses though I mean it, the the team is is way more than the individual and and he's got it right and you know that's that's one of the mantras of Iowa State football clearly as you would hope and uh, Jaquan Bailey personifies that I just have a feeling that one of these weeks and maybe it's going to be tomorrow uh, that Jaquan Bailey you know gets, uh, gets Gets on the sack stats, and really uh, leaves an impact on this game. He certainly do. He's that good.
3: Yeah, and he's. it's been kind of interesting to watch him specifically when I go back and rewatch these games because Matt Campbell and, and Jaquan himself have kind of talked about, you know, offenses aren't doing too much different. You know, it's just kind of one of those things, almost like turnovers for Iowa State, where you don't get any in the first two games and all of a sudden you get three just based off, off of playmaking. And Jaquan, I think, is kind of um, he's had to deal with double teams at times. He's had to deal with rolling pockets. He's had to deal with mobile quarterbacks, uh, certainly in games one and three. Um, you know, the, the quarterbacks have gotten the ball out of their hands pretty quick. Um, you know, Nate Stanley, I thought, it did that as well. So I think that's kind of um, maybe what's what's kept him back a little bit. And then um, having any Uazurike on the other side, um, you know, draws attention there, and he's able to maybe get free because of tensions focused on Jaquan. Um, Orion Vance and Mike Rose have gotten in there, Marcel Spears. So, um, yeah, he, he's not added to his own stat line, obviously, in terms of sacks. But um, it's it has opened things up for for other guys on the defensive line and then in, in that second level. So um, at, at some point you think he's going to get it and um, certainly could be tomorrow given um, Brewer back there and, and his mobility and maybe his um, inclination to roll one way or the other in the pocket.
1: You know, uh, the wide receiver position, we talked about just the depth that is there. So many guys that you can make a case for. Shaw with this size, Skate's a a big-time prospect coming out of high school, and of course the guys that we know about a little bit more. Does it feel like that rotation is getting settled, or is there still going to be moving pieces out of that wide receiver group?
3: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch because the, the styles of all these teams that Iowa State's played so far are a little bit different, so... Um, I think he, it's pretty safe that Deshante Jones, um, Michael Pettway and Tariq Milton are going to be in that kind of core. And then depending on, on which game you could see like a skates or a shot jump in, um, maybe a Landon acres if you're looking for a little bit more speed. And then, um, also what's, what's kind of impacted maybe the number of wide receivers they're, they're throwing in is what the tight ends have done. Obviously Charlie Kohler is on, on pace for kind of a, Um, you know, a highly productive season. Chase Allen, as he gets healthier, can be in there. And then Dylan Sainer has made some good plays, too. So I think that's maybe siphoned off a little bit of what would usually go to the wide receivers. But um, I I think they're starting to feel certainly more comfortable in the kind of depth that they can create create there um, with their pass catchers, because even Shaw, um, you know, came in two targets, two touchdowns, two catches. So, um, you know, highly, highly productive there. And then I think that's, help them feel a little bit more comfortable as so they can maybe trust those guys now that they've gotten their feet wet a little bit.
0: Am I, am I, have I been overly impressed with Jarrell Brockwin? Cause he caught my eye, Dylan. I'll be honest. I have no idea what ULM had in the game at that time, but it was the way he was, uh, was pointed out on Twitter, the, uh, from the, from the coach's view. Um, the, the block that the is a second-level block he took on his linebacker. He got that assignment. I, I really liked this kid from what I saw. Will we see more of him perhaps tomorrow? Uh, Noongo seemingly is getting better as the week has gone on. I'm not sure we'll know a one way or another uh, until game time tomorrow. Uh, Crony's a, a senior. He's a different running back. He's bigger. Obviously, we know Brees Hall. Johnny Lang's been kind of hit and miss so far. I, I'm starting to wonder if we're going to see more of Brock as the season unfolds. Finally. He got his chance in garbage time last week.
3: Yeah, Tom Manning mentioned him this week specifically. I mean, he was asked about him but said that he thought he came in and did a really nice job in, um, in his second-level blocking and his pass protection, um, running the ball. He was physical, and that's that's what he was in high school as well. So it, it will be kind of interesting to see what, what line they walk because, um, you know, if you think you can get Kaneda Wongu healthy, if you think Sheldon Coney can do the job uh, when he comes in there or Johnny Lang, um, then you want to preserve him and maybe pick your spots this year so you can keep him below that, that threshold. But if you think he's going to come in and, and potentially be the guy, um, you, you got to play him. So do they play him right away again tomorrow? Uh, I'm not sure. I guess it will uh, kind of depend on, uh, Nwongu's availability a little bit, but, um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think he's, he's has high upside and, um, certainly it's kind of a nice one-two punch of the future with, um, uh, with Brees Hall.
0: Uh, the Oklahoma State uh, uh, hosting Kansas State game. I mean, it's on ESPN Plus. It's the only night game, a primetime game, I guess, or night game uh, in the Big Twelve Conference. Texas Tech, Oklahoma play early. Kansas, TCU, likewise. Of course, TCU will be at Jack Trice Stadium next uh, uh, next week. Uh, Baylor, Iowa State in the middle of the afternoon. K State, Oklahoma State. The is it the best game? Maybe the most intriguing game. I'll put it that way. The most intriguing game in the Big Twelve. Would that be it?
3: Yeah, I, I think so because we we've seen a little bit of what Kansas State did in its first two games, and then going on the road in its third to Mississippi Mississippi State and getting a win uh, was huge. So, how can they follow that up? What does uh, Chris Kleiman's system look like once you get into the Big Twelve? And can Oklahoma State go and, and stop somebody? Uh, I think is going to be their big test. So, it, it's it's outside of Baylor and Iowa State. I think it's one of the more intriguing games, um, you know, a, around our area that that we're going to have. So it's it, it'll, it'll be fun and like I said the, the big call of the book may a little bit deeper um you know potentially the through the maybe six or seven mm-hmm. range so um yeah it's gonna be fascinating to see what teams kind of step in there and and you know once they start beating up on each other what what will happen
0: no doubt about it Dylan Dylanmont Dylan travel safe uh, I know you're coming back on Sunday morning we will talk to you on Monday we'll recap this game appreciate it Dylan thank you yeah, thanks, guys. Take care. Yeah, good to talk to you. Dylan Mons, Ames Tribune, uh, AmesTrib.com, AmesTrib.com uh, online. You know, at least Sterling Trent, as I go back to yesterday, mm-hmm. when we yeah, when you talked about this K-State-Oklahoma State game, I thought he made a really good point from a betting perspective. Oklahoma State, they left it all on the field against Texas last week. They did, yes. K-State's coming off a bye, off a bye where they feel pretty good. Last time we saw them was Mississippi State and Starkville. What does that mean to you from a betting
1: angle? Do do you like, I mean, could you play K-State in this game because of what we saw for Oklahoma State last week? I can. That That is something that isn't part of some of the numbers that I kind of build with the different systems out there. This is looking at schedules and the impact that it has and the body blow theory. That's what you're talking mm-hmm. about here. Or the look-ahead theory and all these different, but it has to be the right circumstance. It has to be the right set there. It can't just be every single time a team comes off a tough loss. You bet against them the following week. I think there needs to be more there. Another component, Kansas State, they don't really have a look ahead here. If if they had Oklahoma or Texas mm-hmm. on deck next, it would be different here. Yeah, They're going to have their full attention. I, I certainly like that part of it. I just, I, I'm I still struggling, even as I went back and watched that Mississippi State-K-State game. Mm-hmm. I still feel like I have a great read on the Wildcats. You yeah,
0: know? I'm with you, and I watched most of that game uh, uh, live. Um, here's the thing about that line. It opened 7.5, Oklahoma State yeah. 7.5. It's down to
1: 4.5 points now. Should we look at the public money maybe on this one? Why don't you? Because that can sometimes build a little bit more of where the... the I don't want to say sharps anymore because this is I get these numbers offshore. Right. So who are the people that are still betting offshore? Still betting offshore. People that live don't live in states that have legalized gambling in most well, that, cases. Uh, that is very true. And though we are lucky here that we have it, that is not the case everywhere. So all right. This is offshore numbers again, where the betting public is. Both cash percentages and ticket percentages. So as I scroll my way through. 70% of the cash is on Okie State and 72% is of the tickets. Hmm. So it's over 70%. That is that number where everybody is betting or a majority of the people are betting on one side, yet that point spread is trickling the other right. way. That is called reverse line movement. I'm a long-time subscriber to that. Give me K-State. There you go. Well, we've got our picks coming up in the final hour of the week. It's a busy hour. We're going
0: to talk Chiefs. We're going to talk Vikings and Bears. Bama Bob Trent and I will take a look at uh, college football from a national perspective. We've got Claxton's Barbecue to give away. Our picks before we get out of here at noon. 11 o'clock hour on deck. It's Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.